Welcome to the Daniel Workman Show podcast. What you are about to hear is the conference call that took place on March 24th, 2020 with Cindy Parlo Cohn, new president of U.S. Soccer, and Will Wilson, the new CEO of U.S. Soccer. I will now turn the call over to your host. Thank you, Vanessa, and thank you everyone for joining us, especially considering these uh, unique and challenging times. I hope everyone's doing well and, and staying safe. I am here with our new U.S. Soccer President, Cindy Parlo-Cohn, and our brand new U.S. Soccer CEO and Secretary General, Will Wilson. Um, as usual, we will start with opening comments uh, from both of them, and then we will open it up for questions. Um, if you do have a question or you know you're going to want to ask a question, if you can press star one now on your phone. Um, we're having a little bit of, of challenges just getting people's uh, names and um, uh, outlets. Uh, Vanessa's doing uh, as much as she can to, to jump in there and find that out so we can know who, uh, who's in, in the queue for, for questions. So please, once again, hit star one if you want to ask a question and uh, we'll get you lined up to ask, ask a question uh, after the opening comments. All right, I will turn it over to Cindy. Thanks, Neil. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, the entire country, in fact, most of the world, is dealing with the coronavirus crisis, and I trust that all of you are staying healthy and safe. This has been an interesting and challenging time for everyone. When Carlos resigned um, just a mere 10, 11 days ago, I understood immediately that I would have to step up and lead as the president of U.S. Soccer. Those of you that know me well know that this is not a role I was seeking, but I believe sometimes we are asked to step forward to do unexpected things, and I wholeheartedly accept this responsibility to serve the Federation and will work tirelessly to lead the board, our members, our players, and our staff through these challenging times. As you all know, the search for CEO has been a long one. We had a large, diverse pool, diverse both in gender and ethnicity. This exhaustive search led us to hiring Will Wilson as our new CEO and general secretary, which begins a new chapter for the Federation. Will brings a wealth of diverse experience and abilities. The combination of my deep background in soccer at all levels in this country and Will's business and sports acumen positions the Federation to serve all stakeholders in the U.S. soccer family and provide strong leadership into the future. Will understands there are real challenges he needs to handle from the start and has already been thinking about how to tackle those as soon as possible. Uh, we've been working closely together as but still keeping our social distance um, since we are both here in North Carolina. So with that, I will, would like to introduce you all to Will Wilson, and I will turn it over to him. Thanks, Cindy. Good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. Um, also, obviously want to echo uh, the earlier sentiments about all the unprecedented uh, things we're dealing with right now with COVID-19, obviously globally and in our country. Uh, I certainly hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and coping as best you can. Obviously, these are difficult times. Um, you know, for me, uh, I'm really, really, really excited to uh, to come into the Federation and have this role as CEO and General Secretary. It's, it's truly an honor and a privilege to be in this role. Um, I'm excited and energized about the opportunity ahead. I know we have many challenges, uh, but I have nothing but a 
my full work ethic and desire to kind of work through these things with Cindy and everyone else at Soccer House and in the entire soccer ecosystem uh, to come to good conclusions and positive direction as we go forward. Um, I've admired the Federation for many years. Uh, to be honest with you, I go through a process every few years of kind of highlighting places I'd like to work or things I'd like to do. And, the, and U.S. soccer has been on that list for a long time. I had no idea it would be this role at this time, uh, but I am very excited about taking this role and moving forward. I think it's a great brand with a huge opportunity. And I will tell you, it was a job I was very interested in, interested in once I realized that there was a search going on for it. Uh, what do I bring to the Federation? Well, I'll tell you that I have 30 years of experience, almost 30 years, um, internationally, domestic, at league, team, and agency level, both emerging sports as well as mainstream sports. And I think I bring a broad, diverse business background to the equation, as well as the understanding of different cultures, uh, the ability to speak other languages, the understanding of, of just what, how things get done in different ways to approach problems. I think that I am a problem solver, and that's something that I embrace, and I embrace those challenges around it. Uh, obviously, we have a number of issues to address as a federation. Um, not the least of is the, the women's national team and the filing that took place the other week. Uh, but there are other issues as well, and trust that we are focused on them and we're willing and able to look for solutions and, uh, and move forward. And with that, I guess we'll open up to Q&A. Great. Thank you, Cindy, and thank you, Will. Uh, all right. We've got the first three reporters lined up to ask questions. Those will be Ron Blum, Grant Wall, and Doug McIntyre. Uh, Ron, your line should be open. Uh for Will, what from afar do you think the Federation has done well and what has it not done well over the last uh, period of years? Well, look, you know, first of all, I'll tell you the opportunity to, to, to play for your country, to, to watch national teams or women's and men's national teams compete on the global scale is just an awesome experience. And I think that U.S. soccer has, has done a great job of fielding teams. Uh, and, you know, putting competitive teams out there, obviously the women's team is the best in the world. Uh, the men clearly didn't qualify for the last World Cup, but have had a good run and have a great coach in place and the opportunity to continue to grow and, and field the team that compete at the, you know, at the world stage. Um, the business has grown a lot. You know, the, the, the programs around the Federation have grown a lot. They've put a lot of things in place that have helped the sport grow in this country. Uh, the things that uh, have, you know, have not been done well, if you want to call it that, I think they're the issues that have been uh, addressed many times in the media over the recent recent uh, weeks and months are things that have to be addressed. And I think communication and engaging folks and trying to find solutions, and that's not to denigrate what's happened in the past. I think it's more about a direction going forward is what we need to focus on. Great. Thank you, Rob. Uh, next up, we will have Grant Wall. Grant, go ahead. This is for both of you guys. Um, how big a priority is it for you at this point to reach a resolution with the U.S. women's national team players in their lawsuit before it goes to court? Thanks, Grant. Um, I think that's one of our top priorities right now. Um, I don't think a trial is good for either party or for soccer, uh, both in this country or internationally. Um, obviously, our women's team is the best team in the world, and I'm hopeful that we can find a resolution before this goes to trial. 
And I, you know, obviously, I would echo that, Grant. Um, it's it's a it's a priority, and finding a solution would be the best way to go forward. Great, thank you, Grant. Before we get to Doug, the next uh, three questions will come from Jeff Carlisle, Kevin Baxter, and Bo Durr. So, Doug, you are up. Thanks, Neil. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, question for both of you. Well, first of all, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of your previous experience, um, you know, living abroad, speaking a different language. There's a, at least a, a large portion of the Latino community in, in the United States that feels that the Federation hasn't been there for them, hasn't reached out to them, hasn't included them um, at times. I'm curious what you're going to do specifically to engage that community and how your experience can help. And Cindy, just, just um, wondering how important um, that part of, of Will's resume was and, and how much of a focus reaching out to the huge Latino community in the U.S. Um, is for you guys going forward. Uh, thanks for the question. So I will say that, you know, for me, I think a huge priority in, in terms of growing the game and growing the interest in making soccer the preeminent sport in this country is, is really uniting uh, you know, the various soccer demographics, you know, across the country. You know, there's an old saying that demography is destiny. There's no denying the census in this country, the population in this country, and we're doing a disservice to the soccer ecosystem if we're not communicating with all the folks of all the nationalities who live in this country uh, who love soccer. And clearly the Mexican demographic, Hispanic demographic is a big part of that. So I think what you'll see from me over time is a very... Uh, concerted effort to engage directly with all the demographics who love soccer in this country and, and find a way to unite, you know, these Bedouin tribes, if you will, to, uh, in the United States. Um, and I'll up on that. I, I think it was very important in our decision to uh, choose Will Wilson as our CEO. Um, he has, as I said in my opening statement, um, I really like that he had diverse experiences. He's lived in foreign countries, um, and he has an understanding and appreciation of different cultures. Um, and I would like to echo his statements as well. This is um, something that U.S. soccer is doing a little bit of, but is not doing a good enough job of right now. And so bringing Will in with his understanding of different cultures and also speaking Spanish um, was a huge plus in bringing him in. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Doug. Next up, Jeff Carlisle. Yeah, yeah thanks for, for doing this. Um, just to piggyback on Grant's question, um, are there any settlement talks scheduled right now with the players? And kind of a follow-up for Cindy, you said you were going to investigate the process by which some of the, the more incendiary legal filings were made. Where are you at in that process, and, and what is your role in, in the legal strategy that was formulated? Okay, um, first of all, we have hired an outside firm to do a review of our processes to see where that process broke down, um, because I never saw the filing before it went public. Um, and then what was your other question? Can you repeat it? Oh, sure. Um, are there any settlement talks scheduled? I mean, do you guys see a path forward in terms of reaching a settlement with the players? Well, right now, there's not one that's on the schedule, but we are hopeful that we can schedule one very soon. I think it's challenging right now um, with the backdrop of coronavirus and 
because I'm a big believer in getting people in the same room and finding resolutions. So in the meantime, we may have to settle with jumping on phone calls. So I'm hopeful that this will be the case in the coming weeks. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Next up is Kevin Baxter from LA Times. Hey, uh, Cindy, thank you for doing this, Will. Um, congratulations. Um, I'm afraid my question is going to take things off into left field a little bit. I apologize for that. But, I, Cindy, I was curious, with the postponement of the Olympics today, obviously you guys couldn't have been surprised by that. What, um, what's your reaction to that, and, and, and how do you prepare moving forward? Yeah, I think it's the right decision. Uh, we don't want to put anyone health at risk, um, our athletes or the fans that would be going over to Japan. Um, I was in communication with the players and the coaches to see what their sentiment was. Um, and their decision that the IOC came out with this morning is right in line with what the athletes and the coaches were thinking. And, and so now you just, I guess, get together and discuss the, the way forward? Is, is that what happens next or is it too early to tell? Well, I think it's different on the men's side and the women's side because the men still have to go through the qualification. So we need to get um, the new dates. What are the qualification dates for the men? Uh, so there's a lot of questions still there that we will try to, to find out in a short period of time. I think it's challenging right now because we don't have a date as soon as we can get back out on the field. So I think all these decisions will come in time, but we're – our first and foremost, we want to make sure that our athletes and our staff remain healthy, uh, not only from coronavirus, but when they start back up, that we have sufficient timeline to get fit and play back in. We're not risking injury as well. Thank you very much, and congratulations, Will. Thank you. Great. Before we get to Bo, uh, the next three after Bo will be Meg Linehan, Paul Kennedy, and Brian Strauss. Bo, you, uh, your line should be open. Good afternoon, all. Um, quick question. A lot of people are a little bit concerned that Major League Soccer and Soccer United marketing have perhaps too much influence uh, within U.S. soccer. Uh, with this hiring, uh, how would you address uh, that concern? And were people recused from this decision? Well, I'll start it off and then I'll turn it over to Will. Um, I think it's a plus. Uh, Will, as you said, before he's had 30 years of experience in the sports and um, I think I believe those four of those were at some in MLS so he has a good understanding of the processes I think soccer is a very complex game and a complex business I think it'd be very difficult for someone to come in from the outside um, not knowing that business to, to step in and hit the ground running so I think that's a plus on our side for Will and then um, on your question about recusal, um, I asked Don Garber to recuse himself um, when Will came into the mix as a CEO candidate um, out of an overabundance of caution. Yeah, and just to echo what Cindy said, I, I think that, um, you know, my experience at some actually will be a big assist to the process. I mean, as, as all you guys who, and, and you know, men and women who report on the sport and understand it and love it so deeply, you know it's a complicated game all the various tournaments, all the various competitions, uh, the way leagues work. Um, you know, soccer obviously is the only sport in the world literally with infrastructure in every country. So it's a complex landscape. And I think my time there uh, is, will be a benefit, quite frankly, in, in getting, you know, what Cindy said, getting on the ground, running, uh, able to uh, 
assess issues and figure out ways forward on you know, on things that are important uh, for us. And it is just a slice of my experience, you know, and I, I do think my other experience also comes into bear uh, in, in this particular situation. Um, so from that perspective, uh, I only see that positive. Great. Thank you, Bo. Uh, next up, Meg Linehan. Hi, uh, thank you to you both. Um, for, for both of you, just wondering, beyond the actual logistics of settlement, there's obviously also the work ahead of both regaining the trust of players and fans uh, over the relationship between the Federation and the U.S. Women's National Team. I was just wondering if, you know, obviously settlement has to come first, but what is the work ahead on that front to, to continue to grow the game? Right. I'll start off and then I'll let Will add again. Uh, Meg, you're absolutely right. Um, settling this dispute is only the first step, um, but the next step is a long process. Um, I think a lot of damage has been done, and I think we are going to have to rebuild that trust and rebuild the relationship, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take um, a lot of effort and time and energy from the U.S. soccer side to rebuild that trust, not only with our U.S. women's national team players, but with our fans and everyone engaged in the sport. Um, I think the comments and the language in the last filing, I think not only hurt our relationship with our women's national team, but hurt women and girls in general. Um, and as a former national team player, they were personally hurtful to me. So I think we have a lot of work in that area to do, um, but I'm willing to jump in and work tirelessly to help build that relationship and that trust. Thank yeah, you. I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the wording, the comments in the filing, uh, you know, were uh, quite frankly shocking and very, very disappointing to me when I read them. Um, you know, from my perspective, I, I have the, the benefit of being the new guy on the block, if you will, as we go forward. And absolutely, my commitment will be to, to find solutions, to engage at every level. You know, our players, uh, our members, our fans, to grow this game and, uh, and continue to push this forward and be, be free in this sport in this country, which I believe we can be. Great. Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Next up is Paul Kennedy from Soccer America. Hi, thank you for doing this today. My question is for Cindy. Uh, in early December, uh, Carlos said that um, before the uh, board meeting in Chicago that y'all um, did interviews with any number of candidates. My questions are really two, are a couple. Why it took so long to uh, hire someone, about three and a half months? Was Will one of those candidates that was interviewed in early December? And also, was anybody else previously offered the job? All right, great. Thanks for that question, or several questions. Um, the process did take a long time, um, but from my perspective, I was willing to take as long as it took to get the right person in the job. Um, many of the candidates that we interviewed early on, um, we didn't feel like we're the best fit, so we had to basically restart the process um, and we, and we did so and I, with a new firm. And so I think it's been challenging to get it started back up again. Um, but through that process, I think we came to the best candidate for U.S. soccer. Um, and Will has met with every board member except for Don Garber. 
Um, and it was a unanimous vote. Obviously, Don recused himself in that vote um, to bring Will on board as our CEO and general secretary. Great. Thanks, Paul. Next up, we have Brian Strauss from SI. Hi, thanks, Neil. Um, this is a question for Will. Will, while they were evaluating you, I assume you were evaluating U.S. soccer and whether or not this was a job you wanted and a place you wanted to work. And I was just curious, after sort of a traumatic few years, starting with Cuba and the lawsuits and the conflict of interest accusations, the Glassdoor reviews, the legal filing, all that stuff, did you see an organization that had that needed some fundamental fixes? Uh, and if so, what are they? Um, or is all of that just kind of the cost of doing business and, and you weren't too concerned about it? No, I think there's definitely things that need to be addressed. There's no question. Uh, a lot of them very public. So, you know, for me, I, I view it as a huge opportunity. And I, I believe that U.S. soccer has, in and of itself, a great opportunity. Top sale on the horizon with the 2026 World Cup, you know, Olympics and other things that are coming. Um, there's there's a, no doubt that there is just tremendous opportunity. I was very excited by that. Uh, what I would like to try to address really is trying to uh, create a culture, uh, a work environment that you know makes U.S. soccer an admired place to work, where everyone uh, feels valued and wants to continue to move forward, uh, because everyone who's there loves soccer, loves U.S. soccer, takes a ton of pride in what they do and being around the national teams and our games just generally uh, across the land. And so to tap into that and, and develop really a very positive working culture going forward. Um, yes, there are issues. I mean, that's obvious. But for me, it was it was the fact that we had to address those and find a resolution, uh, attack the culture and really create a place that people want to be and want to work, uh, to really support our members and grow the game. Uh, and then we have a ton of, I think, long-term opportunities. So for me, it was a combination of short-term and long-term, if you will. Great. Thanks very much. Great. Thanks, Brian. The next three reporters we'll have are Jonathan Tannewall with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Joe Tollison with Sirius Radio, and Howard Megdell with Forbes. Jonathan Tannewall, your line should be open. Uh, can you hear me? Yep. All right. Thanks. Uh, I have one one for 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 Cindy that is short, and then one for Will that might be a little longer. Um, the short one, Cindy, you, might, you would probably be able to address this. You mentioned the legal strategies and so on in your involvement and, and not earlier a minute ago. Would you mind clarifying um, who oversees the in-house legal team at U.S. Soccer and how that sort of chain of command works? Yes. Um, so we have a special litigation committee that was formed under Carlos um, to oversee um, the filing. And as I stated before, um, there was a fun fundamental error in our processes so that the special litigation committee nor other and didn't see it and neither did the other board members. Would you mind sharing who's on the committee? Well, the question for you is, you've worked a lot on the business side of soccer, but you've also worked on the side of sports generally quite a bit. And I'm wondering how that informs your coming into this, you know, looking at the situation that the women's team is in with the lawsuit and the men's team not having had a CBA for a while. Yeah, I, again, I think that's, um, thanks for the question. I think that that 
is experience that I have that'll be very beneficial, quite frankly. You know, I've, I've been on both sides of the table, if you will, you know, at the team and the league level um, for the last number of years, uh, you know, as representing athletes. So I understand that athletes view the world differently. Um, I think I've learned how to meet them, you know, where they're at, so to speak, uh, the things that are important to them. You know, obviously, American football is a different sport than soccer, but I think there's a lot of common uh, threads, if you will, on, on the things that, that concern athletes generally as it relates to their careers and the things that are important to them going forward. So, yes, I do think my experience there, you know, working under the construct of a CBA, uh, you know, engaging with my uh, prior clients uh, on, on labor issues and, and when they were, you know, focused in dealing with, uh, the, you know, negotiations uh, as it relates to the NFL CBA, is all are all things that are going to be very beneficial in this job as well. Great, thanks, Jonathan. Next up is Joe Tolleson. Thanks, Neil, and congratulations, Will. Uh, Cindy, question for you: um, How far along was this process when Carlos resigned, and with the comments that were made in the legal filing, and when you took over as president, did you see this? hiring of Will or whoever you would choose as the CEO it turned out to be Will as being uh, kind of a, something we need to do sooner than later because of the current environment? Um, well, first and foremost, I think we needed to hire a CEO about six, seven months ago. Um, unfortunately, the process took us longer to get to this point. Um, but we had been in communications with Will for a uh, I don't know the exact timeline, but a few weeks before um, the legal filing that you're talking about. Great. Thanks, Joe. Next up is Howard. You, uh, your line should be open, Howard. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you, and, and Cindy, thank you as well. Uh, question is for each of you. Obviously, there's been uh, a lot of uh, conversation. You guys have both spoken about the mistakes in the previous filings. Um, but e even as we speak, uh, the current ask from U.S. soccer is a summary judgment in your favor. And I'd like to hear from each of you whether each of you see that as advisable, as a positive outcome, or something that will get in the way, potentially, of that reconciliation you both have spoken about with the players. Great. Right. I think there's two things here. There's the legal case in the lawsuit and then also rebuilding the trust and the relationship um, and they are intertwined um, but they are also having to be dealt with separately as the lawyers are having um, to deal with the lawsuit um, and then Will and I are more going to have to deal with how do we rebuild that trust and rebuild that relationship with our women's national team and our fans um, and basically with every woman and girl um, that has read those comments. I, I just, just as a brief follow-up to that, since a lack of oversight is what led to the filings uh, being at odds with the message that U.S. soccer wanted, are you at all concerned that the further separation of those two things uh, will be problematic? Well, they're not completely separate. I said that they're also intertwined. So I, mm -hmm. I think it's, Challenging right now, uh, especially with the uh, the lawsuit going on and the class action status, um, limiting communication um, because of that. So I'm doing everything from my end. I think obviously we're looking to try to find a resolution before this goes to trial, as I don't think that that's good for either party or for soccer 
um, in this country or internationally. Um, we have the best women's team in the world. I'm a former player for that team. Um, and I would love nothing more than to find a good resolution for both parties. Yeah, and just to add, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to claim the new card, but it's new. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm being brought up to speed on the nuances of, of all the legal arguments and that whole uh, side of the equation. But I can tell you that Cindy and I are, are very motivated to uh, mend relationships and find a resolution. Great, thanks, Howard. Uh, the next three will be Ian Thomas from Front Office Sports, Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, and Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. All right, uh, Sydney, well, do you have any indication yet what the financial impact on Federation's revenue is going to be given the cancellation of, of myriad of sporting events at this point? I'm sorry, you were breaking up. Can you repeat that real quick? Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Do you have any indication of the what the impact on the Federation's revenue is going to be given all of the cancellations in sports thus far? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we are working through that very diligently. Um, we have people from the board as well as staff members working on different scenarios. Um, obviously, our first priority is to ensure um, the safety of all of our staff and our, and our players. So that was first and foremost. Um, but now that we have a better understanding of what things are looking like in terms of the Olympics, so that will help formulate what we need to do. Um, but obviously, this is affecting every business, um, regardless of what business you're in. And obviously, U.S. soccer is not immune to this. So I expect that um, U.S. soccer will take a significant hit with the coronavirus if we are not able to hold events. What, what yeah. was, oh, oh, sorry, Will, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, is any indication from some or Nike that they will be providing the Federation with less funding given the, the current agreements they have with, with the Federation? That's currently unclear. We're not sure yet. And before we move on, Howard, I got an answer to your question, and the other people that are on the Special Litigation Committee are comfortable with me sharing it. Um, so the uh, other than myself, it is Tim Turney and Patty Hart. Great. We will move now to Sebastian Salazar. After Sebastian is Paul Tenorio. Hey, guys. Just uh, one question for each, if that's okay. For uh, Mr. Wilson, just what role will the NWSL have in a U.S. Soccer Federation under your leadership? And then first for Ms. Cohn, um, both NWSL and MLS are Division One sanctioned leagues per U.S. soccer. As the president, do you see the two leagues as equal in their standing within the federation? So the first question, uh, obviously we're very supportive of the NWSL and its uh, continued evolution. Uh, we think it's very important to have a professional league uh, where women can compete and uh, compete at the highest level uh, in this country. Um, that's something that uh, is definitely of importance uh, to us. As far as the MLS and NWSL, obviously they are different. MLS has been around a lot longer and from a stable business perspective is in a different place than the NWSL. But in terms of being of equal importance to U.S. soccer, it is definitely of equal importance. Thank you. Thanks. 
All right, before we get to Paul Tenorio, uh, after Paul, we will have Mike Waitola from Soccer America, Kevin Draper from the New York Times, um, and then Avi Creditor from SI. So, Paul, you are up. Um, thanks. A couple questions for uh, Will. You mentioned at the beginning of the call um, your interest in this position once you learned that there was a search for it. How did you learn that there was a search for this position? And um, regarding your time at Wasserman, how much, if any, interaction did you have with the soccer group at Wasserman, either Rich Moskin's group in L.A. or Dan Levy in North Carolina? Yeah, so uh, first question, uh, you know, I, I became aware of the opportunity really through networking and, you know, that I reached out directly to uh, the search firm who was uh, the U.S. soccer had, uh, you know, employed and expressed my interest in putting my, you know, my name in the hat. So that's how that started. And that would have been, uh, you know, just prior to the holidays, somewhere in that time frame. Um, your second question you know, I, I was in the football group, the American football group. So obviously I know Rich Moskin, you know, I know Dan Levy uh, as colleagues, but my interaction in terms of uh, working on soccer business was, uh, you know, non-existent. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Uh, I think Mike Waitola uh, dropped off. So we will move uh, to Kevin Draper next. Kevin, I think your line should be open. Thanks for doing this, guys. Uh, you know, both of you have been clear that the language in the recent filings was unacceptable. Uh, but for the past year, U.S. soccer has vigorously fought the, the women's players' lawsuit at every turn. Carlos released public letters and fact sheets to rebut points. Um, I guess besides the language in the recent filing, do you believe that kind of the entire legal strategy has been misguided? Look, I, I come to this from the perspective of a former player. Um, and I know how important it is both for the Federation of Players to move beyond this and to keep working together on what unites us. And we only have one federation and one senior women's national team. And we have to work together to move towards our shared goals of winning and growing the game. Um, and now that I'm in this position, I plan to see if I can continue to help that process move along. And we remain hopeful that we can come to a positive resolution. Um, as far as the language in the filing, I think I've already covered how I personally felt about it, and I know that the board feels the same way as I do. Um, and we are working to find out where that breakdown in communication and our processes happen so that we can ensure this never happens again. Um, obviously, that filing made me very angry as well as it did pretty much every female that read it. Great. If, if, can I, if I can follow up for a second, I guess what, what I'm trying to ask is that to me, the filing doesn't seem markedly different. The language is more incendiary, but the filing doesn't seem markedly different than the dozen filings that came before that. And so I was wondering kind of what you thought about those and the broader strategy. Yeah. I, okay. Sorry, I misunderstood your question. Um, in, in the original, the previous filing, I think it's one thing to argue that men and women play in different tournaments and play against different teams. And it's altogether a different statement to say that, therefore, the women carry less responsibility or have less ability. Um, and I think that's um, where I 
personally was set off and, and didn't really appreciate the language in there and tweeted out my displeasure and disavowing the language that therefore, because we play different teams, that we have some, for some reason, less ability or less responsibility. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Last three questions are going to come from Avi, then Miki Turner, and then Luis Sanchez. Avi, you're up. Thanks, Neil. Um, Cindy, <clears throat> given that you said you haven't been seeking this role, uh, do you intend to run for president again uh, in February, and do you see this now as a as a long-term role for yourself and, and will, just on the line of length of, of deals and, and roles, uh, what is the, the length of your deal as the EO? Uh, right. I'll start it off with so many things going on in the Federation and in the world right now. I'm work, literally working day and night to ensure we have a smooth transition from Carlos to me as president. And with the hiring of Will as our CEO, as you can imagine, I didn't plan to find myself in this position. In this position. Um, so the decision to run for president will come in time. Um, so right now I'm focused on onboarding Will as quickly as we can and getting him ready to hit the ground running. And I would just say it's a, it's a multi-year deal and not just, you know, not just similar to what uh, anyone in my position would have. Great. Thanks, Avi. Miki Turner, you're live. Uh, hey, thanks, guys, and uh, congratulations on the new position. I'm curious about... Um, what role uh, or how you see the men's national team playing into the resolution of the women's national team lawsuit? Would you like to see both the men and the women negotiate collective bargaining agreements together, and do you think that's possible? And also, could you give us an update on the U.S. Open Cup? Uh, USL has uh, reportedly said they are not going to participate this year. I'm wondering if you guys have kind of a date or deadline by which you'll need to cancel the tournament. Hey, I'll, Miki, I'll jump in on Open Cup. So we've obviously postponed uh, the tournament in the time being, and we are obviously having conversations with all the um, uh, leagues that would be part of it to see if we could figure out a way to have the tournament continue this year. Um, but we haven't made any final decisions at this point. And I'll answer the other part of the question. Um, as a federation, we're definitely open to the men's and women's unions sitting down together and negotiating together with us. Um, but obviously, as a federation, we can't enforce them to do this. They have to be willing to do it. Great. Thanks, Miki. So last question from uh, Luis Sanchez. Luis, you there? Thank you, Neil. Um, I just, I would like to know which is your idea of promotion and relegation in the professional soccer in the United States? Who are you asking that to? Sorry, Luis, uh, for someone specific? For whoever, for whoever. Maybe for Bill. Luis, sorry, you're breaking up. Okay, uh, for, for Will, the question for Will? Uh, so the other question, my thoughts on promotion and relegation? Yes, that's the question. I mean, obviously it's been a, uh, it's a, a topic of much debate. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a developed uh, answer for you at this point in time. Obviously it's something that needs to be considered 
um, over time. And if it ever made sense in this country, then it's something that would be addressed at that particular point in time. Great. Thanks, Louise. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. If you have any follow-up questions, uh, please just let me know. Um, we'll get back to you. Um, and thanks again for taking the time, especially during uh, these, these situations going on with coronavirus. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes our conference. We thank you for your participation.